Hey there, this is D. Yvonne Rivers, your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a podcast where you will hear the journeys of birth mothers who have placed children in adoption and also have some emotional and tough conversations, or you may say hot topics about adoption. Listen in. Good afternoon. This is D. Yvonne Rivers. I am your host for Birth Moms Real Talk. This is a podcast where we talk with birth mothers to tell their story, their journey, as well as cover a hot topic that a lot of people just do not talk about. So the title itself is Real Talk, and that is exactly what we'll be doing today. I have as my guest this afternoon, Beth. Welcome, Beth. Welcome, Yvonne. Good to have you here. Yes, thank you so much for the invitation. I am very excited to be able to tell my story and hopefully allow others to know some of the difficulties that face the stigmatism behind the terms birth mother. Absolutely. And that is the purpose of this podcast, Beth, is to give that perspective that a lot of people just do not know. And everyone has a perspective. Every birth mother is different. And so you'll hear that on this podcast. So we're going to hear and talk about Beth's journey. Tell me about your life before pregnancy, Beth. It was a very traumatic childhood. I moved around quite a bit as a small child until I turned 12. My mother wasn't didn't have a, a stable living place. So I moved 12 times before I was in seventh grade, mm. never went to the same school more than a year in a row, all in the same county in the same state. Mm. So it was just hard. How did um, you deal with that, Beth? You don't know any, if you've never experienced anything else, you really don't mm. know that there could be something different. Okay. Okay. So okay. there was never any doubt that my mom loved us. Mm -hmm. She was just struggling just as much as we were. Right, right, right. Okay. So at what age did she become pregnant? 15. 15. Okay. All right. And at that point, my sister and I had moved in with our dad to get a little bit more stability. And it was kind of like a role reversal sort of thing with my mom we got to basically do whatever we wanted to because there wasn't much supervision. Mm -hmm. With my dad, he was so strict that we couldn't do anything. So me getting pregnant was kind of me acting out, saying, you know, pay me attention because I'm not getting enough. Okay. So what, what response did you get from your dad when you did become pregnant and you told him? How was that? Did, they, did he support? Was it family he supportive? He was very, very supportive. And I am blessed and grateful. Uh, when I first told him, his first comment was, what's next? Mm. And he found a gynecologist for me, took me to all of my OBGYN meetings, mm. took Lamaze classes with me. Wow. That's a first. Had not heard that before. <laughs> and still respected my decisions not to have in any family in the delivery room with me. Okay. Okay. All right. So what 
led you to the decision to place? How did you come to that decision? Again, I was in a very strict Christian-based growing up. So for me, it was kind of, I believe, the propaganda that was going out at the time of, you know, and definitely was affected by the whole, a young mother isn't going to be able to provide for a child or give it the upbringing that it needs or the money to make it have a, a decent life. And that's how I grew up. And I didn't want that for my daughter. Okay. And I was, you know, dad never mentioned, hey, we're going to help you take care of her. Mom never mentioned that, you know, so I wasn't coerced into doing an adoption. But at the same time, no one told me what the effects giving a baby away would. Right. What would have made a difference, if anything at all, that would have, um, yeah, what would have made a difference? I don't, I don't think anything. Okay. I just, I don't see that happening any different than what it did due to the circumstances that I was in. Okay. I just, you know, I, I didn't really have the support around me to even think about caring for another person. And that's mm-hmm. not something you can do by yourself. Right, right, right. So after placement, talk to me about that. How was it for you after placement? After placement, you know, you're rebellious, 16, 17 year old. And dad was pretty much, again, strict saying, you know, at 18, you're on your own. And at 18, he he moved and I didn't want to move with him. So that came about within two, three years of me turning 18. Mm -hmm. He got married. So it was just one turmoil after another. And while he tried to get me help, I wasn't receptive enough to what I was going through to be able to express the chaos going through my mind. Okay. Or the sadness or any of it. So so doing that that tough time, did you have any support with therapy or any friends or other family other than your dad or did your mother come back in the picture then? Mom contacted us about halfway through my pregnancy and in and out. My mom and I are repairing our relationship now but don't have a good one. I'm, you know, I was angry at her for a long, long time. And so I reached out to be friends with the people I was going to college with at the time and, you know, got involved in not hardcore drugs, but, you know, some drugs, more like self-medicating sort of stuff than Mm -hmm. that allow you to ignore your your traumas. And thank goodness I'm where I'm at now. I I basically turned my life around basically when I turned about 30 um, and got my life stable. And that's when the depression really hit. Okay. But I had the tools to try to get the help that I needed. And it's been a journey since then. Did you realize um, what help you needed or... How was that journey for us in the time of 18 to the point of 30 when you were starting to get your life together? I'll trial and error. Okay. Okay. I'll trial and error. I was was in a nine-year relationship 
um, and we got married and was married for two years and then it broke up and he later became addicted to heroin. So there's that trauma Mm -hmm. of, and guilt and shame of, well, if he had stayed with me, would he have gotten addicted and those sorts of questions in my mind. Did Um, you go on to have other children in your marriage? Okay. 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 You know, I always wanted my daughter to find me. Okay. It was a close adoption. So that was kind of idyllic of Mm -hmm. me to expect. It has come to pass, but it, it wasn't her finding me. No one ever really tells you, but there's not too many tools for adoptees or birth parents to find each other. Right, right. And did you search for her? I finally got up the nerve to take a DNA test, and she had taken a DNA test as well, and we were able to connect with each other that way. Very good. You know, back to what you said about closed adoptions, and my my, um, child was born in 1973, and it wasn't the social media, it wasn't any of that, and being closed, it's like, how do you search for anyone? And I, I went through that scenario and I was a searcher. I was a searcher to the best of what I could do. And as you say, with how it's expected that you you place and you go away and you never think again about your child, which is all a lie because <laughs> it's just a lie. Let's call it what it is. Because you you never, I never, I can speak for myself, and, and I think society or the, the situation that a lot of times people will say or think if they don't say it, well, if you placed your child, then you didn't care about your child, which is completely opposite as far as I'm concerned yes. with that. I will agree with that wholeheartedly. Yes. I placed my child because I cared too much for her to subject her to my way of life at that time. It was a love you had for her, not the love you did not have for her. Correct. Yes. Yes. Always the love I had for her. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It's it's so refreshing to hear you say that, Beth, because just with my own my own situation and other rooms I've been in, other moms I've talked to, is that's the prevailing factor. Whether the mom has reunited with the child or not, that it's for love that the placement took place. In one way or another, it's different scenarios or whatever with that. So moving forward with, so at what age were, was your daughter when you found her or you found each other? She was 31. Okay. Okay. So not too long ago. And we actually spend about two hours every Monday night playing Dungeons and Dragons. Because one of those idiosyncrasies <laughs> that, you know, 30 years ago, I found myself playing Edition 3 and, you know, she found herself playing. And so she actually coordinated to where we played. Wow. Now tell me about that reunion, because, you know, a, a lot of times and you see some stories on TV and there, there are a lot of different shows right now with an adoption theme and you, you see the scenarios. Tell me how that was. Or tell me the circumstance around you found each other through DNA and then just walk me through for his first connection, first phone call, first visit. She had done DNA several years before me. And when I did mine, I was a nervous wreck. (laughs) 
absolutely nervous wreck and the was um, it was it because you were expecting to find her or what tell me about what was going on with it hope hope to find her okay and hope that she wasn't dead or something bad hadn't mm-hmm. happened to her you know your brain plays all these different stories good and bad mm-hmm. you know what if what if her parents didn't tell her that she was adopted and she had no clue you know uh, the whole nine yards mm-hmm. was was I ready to find out uh-huh. how my daughter grew up mm-hmm. and what did you do to prepare yourself to get ready for that I joined several Facebook groups okay I started therapy I did a lot of reading on what to expect and what not to expect and pretty much came up with a game plan that she is a 32 year old and I needed to respect that and even though I am a mother to her I cannot mother her she's right. already an adult right right and that that that's that's an important piece you just said that because my child is 45 when we connected so you know he's an adult with that with his own family and <laughs> That perspective you just spoke about is that you can't mother your child when you come back in their life because you're both adults. And they so, don't know you. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so talk to me about for is when you first connected and what was the conversation about? I sent her an, a very simple email. I did not pour my heart out. I wanted to find out if she was willing to talk to me mm-hmm. before I shared everything, and so I sent a very simple email that I had my coworkers read over to make sure I wasn't overthinking things. That said, "Hey, we match at you know the only thing that could be a parent-child relationship, mm-hmm. and do you want to talk?" Ah, uh, uh. so I didn't say, "Hey, you know, right out of the gate, hey, I'm your mother." Right, right. You owe me. No, no. She has absolutely no obligation for any of that. Okay. And so when she, and then almost immediately responded back that, yes, she would like to talk. You know, I was going to ask you how long did you have to wait and were your pins and needles while you waited? So immediately, so you didn't have to wait then, huh? No, I didn't wait for a full day. Okay. I probably waited about four, five hours. Wow. And I was on cloud nine. I just was probably the happiest I have ever been in my entire life. That she was alive, that she was okay, Mm -hmm. that she wanted to talk to me, you know. And then I was like, okay, I need to take it slow. Can't Mm -hmm. rush into anything. So the very first thing I did was like, okay, I'm going to ask you like 20 million questions. So... Was she you know, okay I with that? What, yes, she was. Okay. So I asked her what her favorite color was, what her favorite food, what she liked to wear, what she liked to do. And at the end of writing all those questions out, I was like, man, this sounds like a very bad online dating thing. Because <laughs> that's my sarcastic sense of humor. Okay. And she has that same sense of humor. So she took it like it was meant to be and answered all of my questions. Okay. And... That's how we started finding out who each other were. So, so how, how was that? And did you find those similarities between you and her? And how did you, you know, like 
does were were your colors the same or what other things did you like to see? The colors aren't the same, but our mannerisms, what we like to do, our hobbies, even a little bit of what both of our careers are. Okay. I do a lot of uh, troubleshooting in the IT mm-hmm. world, and she's in supply chain. So she follows up and makes sure that nothing's missing or anything, which is basically troubleshooting. So we we do have very similar thoughts, and that's very fascinating to both her and I, because I would never have dreamed that sort of connectivity. Okay. Did you talk about her life growing up? How was that? And was she, how was it? Was she willing to share about that? She had, she had a hard time growing up, mainly because her mom thought she had bipolar and she has since been diagnosed with ADHD and is on the autism spectrum, Mm. high functioning autism. So it's, you know, we didn't have that growing up. I didn't have all those labels. Okay. You know, right. you, so, so there's, there's coping mechanisms that you don't realize that, that your family has taught you because that's known genetics that every member of your family has to deal with. Well, so uh, clarify that for me when you're saying that like, you were not diagnosed with that. So are you like saying ADD? I, I've since been diagnosed with ADD and ADHD too. Okay. But in the 70s, that label or those symptoms weren't prevalent. Okay. Or, you know, the diagnosis of that and the drugs used to treat it weren't prevalent when I was in elementary school. And moving around so much, no one really paid that much attention to to me to see how I was reacting. And I was smart enough that my grades weren't affected by having ADD. Okay. Okay. All right. So how is her relationship now with her adoptive parent? It's uh, it's on rocky ground only. And this is only because of the political environment that we live in today. Is that affecting your reunion or how, how are two of you doing now? You know, you, you said you're meeting every Monday, but yeah. relationship. She and I are doing being... fine. You know, we have a lot of the similar political views. I like my boss's description better than anyone else's. I am fiscally Republican and socially Democratic. Okay. Okay. So that means I don't want to spend a whole lot of money on socialist programs, but there are certain things that society should be willing to investigate better ways of handling. So, so tell me how your healing journey, when I speak about healing, is that me healing as a whole, because I speak from my perspective, the grief that we have of healing, the grief for the number of years we've been away from our child. Uh, are you in therapy together or what you may be doing together for both of you to heal? Our healing is separate journey. We see, we both have psychologists, okay. we both have psychiatrists. But we're, we're, we don't see them together, and okay. I don't see that happening anytime soon. You know, she, she had her own traumas that she's working through, and I have my own traumas outside of our relationship that I'm working okay. through. Okay. And the fact that we can even 
be online for two, three hours every single week is amazing to me. Okay. Okay. You know, and I'll text her little things and she texts me little things and it's just, it's in a good place. I, okay. I don't expect any more out of it. I don't expect any less. And I'm very grateful that we're talking to each other. Great. Great. What did you see as the greatest challenge of overcoming to get to the place that you are now with your daughter? Putting my DNA out there and just willing to accept whatever happens. So that was how you met. But since you've met, what has that, been the greatest? That it, it all is kind of the same thing. Okay. I I have felt depression and anxiety since I was about 16 years mm-hmm. old and probably PTSD since I was about 19. And so it's, I can't wrap up my healing process with just my daughter because the healing process for me was more towards my entire family, not just one aspect. Okay. So when I say acceptance, I truly mean accepting a person for who they are. Because you can't get to know someone unless you accept them. Right, right, yes. So that's um, that's that's quite a journey. And as you've spoken about, Beth, the different challenges that, that a mom may have, no matter the circumstance, or these people have. I, I look at it from the perspective as that we all had a life before we became moms. And how that life was affects us on how we go through life. And the steps we may take to, I call, heal that self will become healthy are different paths that we all will be taking on that. So as I said, for his birth moms, real talk is talking about the journeys of birth moms. And let me ask this question. This is sort of a common question I always will ask the moms. What name do you prefer to be called? You know, we've heard all the different ones from birth mom to first mom to natural. Any preference? I personally do not have a preference. I am fine with birth mother. Okay. However, if someone in the birth mom arena would prefer natural mother or first mother, I fully understand the baby scoop error. And a lot of females did not have a choice of putting their child up for adoption or not. It was not their choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the way the birth mother term came out to be was truly through propaganda and meant to be demeaning, you know? Yeah. You know, um, the, the whole thing, as we say, there are different perspectives. We all have gone through different journeys. This podcast itself will give that perspective. And so our listeners will just see that it's not a commonality. Only commonality, we've all been moms. <laughs> That's the commonality. Circumstances, perspectives, and all of that. And as we said, we're really going to talk about a, I call it a hot topic because sometimes it's a hot potato. And a hot potato, you're sort of juggling, you're throwing it up in the air because no one wants to touch it. Because there are some topics in the adoption arena that people simply do not talk about. And part of my healing has been being very transparent, being very honest with integrity, to have a healing, heal thyself healthy. That is my commonality with it. So let's go to a particular topic. And I think you chose a couple of ones you want to talk about valuing self. Let's talk about that first. What's, what does that mean to you in valuing self? Valuing self is teaching yourself 
the difference between guilt and shame. And what I mean by that is guilt is something that you caused yourself that only you perceive as wrong, not society. Because when society tells you that you did something wrong, that's shame. So there is a difference between guilt and shame. So the difference you're, you're saying now is if society thinks you're wrong, that's shame. Yes. And what's, what do you define as guilt? And guilt is something that you perceive, you know, you in your core feel that you did wrong. Okay. Okay. And, um, and as I say, they're different perspectives because if I were to look at that scenario, I believe to me, shame is if we don't believe we are worthy. We are shameful. And and to be bold and bodacious, no one can shame me because I know who I am. <laughs> right. Right. But but there's I I I am I feel that shame. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I was brought up as you're not good enough. You're okay. X XYZ. So Mm-hmm. I could get straight A's and no one care mm-hmm. and then turn around and tell me I'm dressing like a slut. Okay. But what did you say about yourself then? And so I felt the shame. I didn't, I didn't get the accolades of, of being studious and making good grades. And I felt the shame and started acting more like a slut. I apologize for using the the harsh terminology, but it took me forever to gain the confidence and understand the shame was other people telling me that I was wrong. Not that I felt I was doing wrong. I thought I looked good. You know, it's not like I was wearing low cut B things and letting everything hang out. We're talking about wearing t-shirts the uh, spaghetti strap t-shirts okay so so how is that transport now for you valuing yourself so i'm still working on that one okay okay i still don't value myself enough i make a list of things i need to work on i write on a mirror saying you're okay you're great you know look at your smile i have found out that you statement instead of I statements Mm -hmm. actually help more because even though it's you talking to yourself, it, it makes it sound like more people are telling you this Mm. because when someone else tells you something, they always use you. You Well, you know, I, I, I agree to a point with guarding speaking and the affirmations and mirror and believing on who you are. And I will say for as I am, mm-hmm. because I know who I am. I have found, and I don't, I'll ask this to you question. Have you found just in the rooms you've been in with birth moms that there are a lot of moms who do not really value themselves? Okay. I, I found the same thing. I found the same thing. And I, I my, this is my opinion and everything. Everybody has got an opinion <laughs> and I get to state it, <laughs> that it's not what people say to me. It's how I react and receive it. But that perception of how I receive it is based on what I believe about myself. So I go back to that, you know, because I and I really had some of the same things you spoke about, Forzen not getting the support or the accolades or 
uh, from family, but I gave it to myself yep. to survive, to survive. Let's talk about forgiveness. I think that's another word in whatever aspect. Did you feel like you needed forgiveness? You forgave or how will you look at that word? Forgiveness for me is very, very personal. I had to journey through, truly learn how to forgive and again, what forgiveness is. And forgiveness is another one of those words that are is very, very subjective. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is something you give yourself. It's and, for you. Yes. It's definitely for you, not the other person. No. And forgiveness is accepting what has happened and accepting the person for who they are. However, it is still important to come up with limits and boundaries so that situation doesn't keep occurring. Forgiveness isn't something that is ongoing forever and forever and forever. Do you believe once you forgive that that's it? No. Once you forgive, you're accepting the person for who they are. And if they cross the boundaries that you set so that you don't get hurt again, then that has to be addressed separately. Okay. 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 Absolutely. Any other last thoughts you'd like to um, give to our listeners about your journey? No, it's been a journey. I'm happy with where I'm at. I look forward to living a life with my daughter and anything else that this journey I'm on has for me. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much, Beth, for being on the podcast today. It's been a joy to hear your story. I've heard parts of it before through the different connections that we have gotten. And it's it's a community. It is a community out here of all different aspects. And part of the community is to to help, to heal, to uphold and talk in the rooms. And I'm so glad you've been in the room with Birth Moms Real Talk. Thanks again. Thank you, Yvonne. It was a pleasure having the talk with you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening into Birth Moms Real Talk, where birth mothers share their journeys and we have an open and honest conversation about adoption. If you would like to share your story or you have any comments, you can reach us at birthmomsrealtalk.com or email us at Yvonne at birthmomsrealtalk.com. If you like what you heard, we would appreciate your support on Patreon as a supporter. Find out more on our website. Tune in next time. See you then.